Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. No Steve today. He's on vacation. I'm coming to you live from Chicago, where I will be covering Big Ten Media Days. Another sign that football season is fast approaching. Always a fun event. We are recording Thursday morning. Michigan players and coaches will talk Friday uh, but there's still stuff going on, and, and there's a lot to watch, and what this podcast is going to do is break down 10 things I'm watching for out of these next two days. You know, it's it's all talk, obviously, and this this is mostly, I mean, nothing nothing major is expected to come out of these two weeks. It's it's not prove it on the field season, it's it's talk season, uh, you know, it's it's the off season, but it is, it is an interesting time, you know, get to know Michigan and their offseason a lot better, and get to know kind of what's going on with the Big Ten. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to have five Big Ten topics, five Michigan topics, and we'll we'll go from there and, and see what we got. So first and foremost, I'll start with one that's related to Michigan, even if it's not Michigan. Michigan will talk Friday, Ben Bredesen, Khalid Hudson, Jordan Glasgow, and Jim Harbaugh. But there will be some Michigan talk on Thursday, absolutely. Ryan Day, uh, is introduced as Ohio State's new head coach, you know, sec- second time this century, <laughs> you know, that uh, that Ohio State has a new coach, and and it's a it's a different kind of atmosphere, you know. Jim Tressel had that uh, aura around him, you know, after the first few years after he won the national title, and and Urban Meyer, I mean, he comes in with two national titles. Ryan Day doesn't necessarily have the credentials, and that's not to say he wasn't a good hire. It, it makes a lot of sense. But it'll be interesting to see how he handles kind of his first true, in my opinion, first true moment in the public spotlight. Obviously, he was made available this spring. Uh, all signs point to him being, you know, totally prepared for this for this job. But but it is different. You know, there's going to be over a hundred reporters at his press conference. They're going to ask him. It's kind of like Super Bowl media day sometimes, where it's. You're getting asked all sorts of weird things. He'll definitely be asked a lot about the Michigan rivalry. You know, it's it's. I know Ohio State's dominated it, but it's still really, really relevant information. And and it is interesting because you know, on paper, you can make a case for Michigan ahead of Ohio State. I don't know if I would make that case, but others certainly could. And so it's it'll be interesting to hear his thoughts on the rivalry, what he wants to add to the program. Because one thing to keep in mind with Ohio State too is. They were not, you know, they, they were a great team last year, but they were not their typical great. Their defense wasn't quite there. The offense had some elite talent, but it didn't always click at the right times. Purdue loss is a very good example. The Nebraska game, the Minnesota game, I mean, you know, against Michigan it worked just fine. But there were moments of, of um, frailty maybe. Maybe not. Maybe, frailty might be stating it too strong of vulnerability, and they lose a lot of talent, as they do every year. I mean, they're in a rebuild, or they're in a reload kind of atmosphere where they don't really need rebuilding seasons. But I will be curious, some of his thoughts on on the defense. You know, they, they did add some new coordinators, just like Michigan did for its offense, and some new assistants. Certainly a lot of talent. Ohio State has 45 four- or five-star recruits. That's a lot. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm curious to hear Ryan Day, and so that's something I'm keeping an eye on. That's kind of 
the storyline I have circled for for today. Uh, the other one that I have circled for today, I you know, we'll see just what it is. But this is more or less Jim Delaney's farewell. You know, it's uh, by, by this time next year, Kevin Warren, for the current CEO, COO of the Minnesota Vikings, he'll be the new Big Ten commissioner. And so Jim Delaney's 30-plus years in charge are, are coming to an end. And I know there's some Michigan fans out there. I don't know if this is every school, but Michigan fans really don't like Jim Delaney. And, and there's some, you know, he's, I don't think he's the perfect commissioner. I think he does a lot of boneheaded things. But he has done a lot, and he has really changed uh, how college athletics go in the Big Ten. I mean, the, the $53 million in annual Big Ten network revenue, you know, he gave himself a $20 million bonus, uh, says, says something about him. But at the same time, hard to argue that he, he didn't, hadn't earned it, you know, negotiating those deals. And even last year, they were still trying to make sure the Big Ten network was was carried everywhere or carried in all the places that it that it is now carried. And so, you know, he, he it's not all him, but he gets some credit for that. I think, again, not a commissioner-specific thing, but he does set the tone for the Big Ten. I think, I think the Big Ten is the most athletically competent conference among the major college sports. You know, the SEC has some natural advantages in football, and baseball, uh, but the Big Ten has gotten really good. I mean, how many schools are bowl eligible and making the NCAA basketball tournament these days it, from the Big Ten? You know, Purdue, Purdue was not a program that really had much of, you know, they had, they had basketball history. That's not true. But they, it just seems like year in, year out, they're, they're doing really well. You know, school, a school like Minnesota, they didn't take athletics seriously enough previously i mean they were they were kind of keeping it on the cheap um you know and so Iowa's a good example of a school that's that's good at both year in year out and and the list goes on schools wisconsin wisconsin 30 years ago i mean they had sports and they had fans but it, i don't know i don't know what jim delaney's thoughts on how the big 10 has changed but i think one thing that's definitely changed is how many schools are are competitive because, and I don't mean this as a slight to, to what Michigan and Ohio State did in past decades, but it's it's harder than ever to win the Big Ten now because everyone's got the resources, everyone's got nice facilities, everyone's able to keep coaches and pay coaches and, and win bidding wars with, you know, even Purdue beat out Louisville and others for Jeff Brome. And so, you know, I think, I think, you see more Big Ten schools than ever with profitable athletic departments. I know they're listed as nonprofit, but when I say profitable, I mean that they're making enough money to sustain themselves rather than needing to rely on students' tuition. So, so yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm curious to hear Delaney's thoughts, and and obviously there's a lot of other nuances. I'm not, I'm hardly a Big Ten historian, but I'm curious to hear kind of his final press conference his thought on things. And speaking of his thought on things, my third thing that I'm keeping an eye on is what is the Big Ten going to do about the college football playoff dilemma? Because they've had two two years in a row. Ohio State was 11-2 one year, 12-1 another year, won the Big Ten, 
had multiple ranked wins, left out of the playoff. In the top five, left out of the playoff. And I think you could make a justification both years that those ugly losses to Iowa and Purdue really did them in. But all the same, I talk about how strong the Big Ten is in football and basketball, and yet they're not making the playoff. They don't have a chance to win a national title. And, and you could argue, I mean, what's the streak? No one has, no Big Ten team has scored in the college football playoff since 2014. You know, Michigan State and Ohio State struggling when they made the playoffs in 2015 and 2016. And so what, what can the Big Ten do to put its best competitive foot forward? And so what I mean by that is, like, how many, you know, how many years in the past three, past five years have the best two teams in the Big Ten faced off in the Big Ten championship? Because basically what you need right now is you need Wisconsin to ha- be the second best team. Because you've got Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State in the East. They are top 15 programs every year. The West does not have a top 15 program every year. And so so I'm curious to hear a few things. One, do they publicly advocate for playoff expansion to make sure that all conferences, all the major conferences get it, get invited? I like the 18. I've, I've vouched for the 16-team system. Maybe we'll do that later on in the fall. But the eight-team system where they get rid of conference championship games, you pick your winner, each conference picks their winner, and then four teams host in late November, and then you play your bowl games in the standard semifinal format in December. So, you know, different systems. Does the Big Ten finally really make a public stump speech here? Do they finally admit that they're open to realigning the divisions? I'd be surprised if they announced it at a press conference heading into the season that kind of puts a damper on things. That'd be more of a right after the 2019 season, you decide to change it all. But do they say that they're open to it? You know, the different scheduling. There's imbalanced scheduling in the Big Ten. With 14 teams, it's a little inevitable. But when you see the Big 12, they have everyone play everyone, and then they put the best two teams in a championship game. Maybe that's the move. Maybe you just say, hey, whoever has the best record, and the tiebreakers will be head-to-head or college football playoff ranking or, you know, I'm, cur- I, I'm curious. And, and that's, that's not just Jim Delaney. I'm curious to hear what all the coaches have to say, what maybe some of the players have to say. So that's something I'm, I'm definitely keeping an eye on. The fourth thing that I'm watching, and, and this might be a little bit more of a, of a me-specific thing, so sorry to our listeners who maybe are hearing this and saying, who cares, but... But I, I think the Big Ten is undergoing a little bit of a culture identity shift. In, in, and what I mean by that is that you're seeing a lot more, let's say, under 45 coaches. You know, coaches who are younger, who are not, they're not Joe Tiller, they're not Lloyd Carr, they're not Jim Trestle, they're not these old school grandpa looking guys who, you know, dress really, well, they probably dress still nice still, but, but you know, P.J. Fleck pretty young. Uh, Mike Loxley, pretty young. Ryan Day, fairly young. And Scott Frost, pretty young. So it's, I feel like there's this new age, and and this is probably true for a lot of college football, but the Big Ten's getting a, a lot younger, and does that lead to more excitement? Does that lead to more creativity? Does that lead to maybe better recruiting? That's been kind of the sore spot for the Big Ten, is that, you know, they're 
there's not as many good football players in the Midwest as there are in the South and, and, and so on, but it's, are they able to draw those recruits? Maybe. I, I, so, so I'm curious, you know, as a quick aside, Mike Loxley is someone I'm probably, probably also I'm circling him on my story list because, well, he, he's going to provide a lot of insight on, on Josh Gaddis and James Franklin will too. And, and what, what, what Gaddis can bring to the table. This is, you know, I don't get to go talk to James Franklin and Mike Loxley all the time. So this is a, a good opportunity for that. And James Franklin, you know, I don't know his age off the top of my head. He could be a little bit older, but he is, he is younger in his approach to things. You know, he, he embraces the modern recruiting world. He embraces modern statistics. Uh, you know, he shows his rear end to signify where his paintball injury was. Not that that's an indictment of young people, but you kind of get the idea. He's not, he's not Kirk Ferentz. He's not Lloyd Carr. Uh, I think I think coaches it used to be very much an old school, you know, I say grandpa styles if grandpas are not cool. Just a, just an older school approach, and and I think you've got a new school crop of coaches coming through. Brome probably could count for that too, and so so yeah, curious to. Curious to see that unfold. Number five, and this one starts to shift us more toward Michigan, is I'm very curious as the of the outsider's perception of Michigan. I know in the past, I used to do stories of anonymous quotes of what people had to say about Michigan. I think it's, it's, tough, it's tough to do. SIDs these days, rightfully so, tell players, hey, don't say anything too specific on other teams, uh, you know, you say, oh, well, this will be anonymous. They say, well, there's like 20 other reporters around. Is it really anonymous? So so I'm not sure if I'll have a story like that. I'll, I'll give it a try. But I think I think more so I'm just curious of the overall perception of the Wolverines because, and this is not just players and coaches, this is media members too. You know, this is a chance to talk to some of the national writers or, or talk to other reporters. And, and I know the Fox broadcasting crew will be made available Friday morning. So, so yeah, it, it, I'm curious, you know, the big Michigan was uh, voted the preseason favorite by 34 media members to, to win the Big Ten. First time that's happened since 2012. You know, Ohio State's been the favorite five of the last six years. They are not this year. And so do they, is there more respect for Michigan? Are people sick of Michigan? I'm, I'm, I'm just curious the, the dynamic and what people have to say about the Wolverines, not just Ryan Day and Mark D'Antonio, because uh, you could probably write their quotes out before they even say them. But, you know, what, is, what does Illinois think of Michigan? What does Iowa think of Michigan? Maryland, you know, what is the perception of the Wolverines? Are they, are they, see, are they rightfully seen as the favorites? Or do people really not agree with that? So those are some of the things that are not related to the Wolverines, or or at least that aren't coming out of the Wolverines' mouths that I'm watching. And so, anyway, with that, we can shift over to five things I'm watching from the Wolverines. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. 
You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season, streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, number one, what are we getting out of Jim Harbaugh this year? In years past, uh, well, he, he's been he's done a few different things. It's In 2015, he was garnering a lot of attention and, and kind of drawing it in. He was telling stories. He was being quirky. You know, 2016, I think it was still kind of the, uh, had a little bit of that dazzle to him. 2017, he got annoyed and, and left the event early or had the players leave their interviews early. Um, 2018 was kind of in the middle. That was an interesting one because the crowd around him was much smaller than years past. And so this year, though, there's Urban Meyer's gone. Uh, you know, he's... He's probably the most prominent coach still. I know Scott Frost will draw a buzz, but I think it's still Jim Harbaugh. And so, you know, similar to Ryan Day, he's going to get a lot of quirky questions. I'm curious to hear what he has to say, and not just what he has to say, because we'll talk about that in a moment, but kind of how he has to say it. Because I think sometimes, you know, in the past, when Harbaugh didn't necessarily feel great about his team, I mentioned 2017, he was kind of short with the media all year. And that, that's not me airing grievances. It's just he was. And and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he knew he, he was going to take some lumps that year. That's my personal hypothesis. I haven't proven that or asked him about it. But, yeah, he always says something interesting. You know, he has, he has his own takes, right? The 16-team playoff is something he's advocated for. When everyone else says, no, 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 you know, four is good, four is good. I mean, he said, no, I want 16, <laughs> and, and this was before he missed a playoff appearance even. This was back in 2015 he said this. So, yeah, just curious to hear from him. I mean, last time we talked to him, he gave us the entire depth chart. He gave us everything. He was he was very transparent and very open, and, well, I, I liked it because it helped me do my job better. But in, in all seriousness, uh, you know, what what sort of things does he have to say? What's his take on the current college football climate, on his team. On his team. And, and on that note, the second thing I'm looking out for is, and this is where you can kind of get some clues. Again, we're still more than a month away from the season beginning. But I think I'm curious to hear who the standouts are and 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 who what the position battles are. Did Jalen Mayfield show up to summer workouts looking like he is shredded and ready to go? Did what's Daxon Hill look like? Is he ready to compete for a starting job? How about the running backs? You know, how about the the linebackers? Is linebackers? I still think that job's going to be a little bit closer than people think. And, you know, Devin Gill and Josh Ross, maybe they know it, but it, I think I think Jordan Anthony and Cameron McGrone are going to give them a run. How about a cornerback? Is Ambry Thomas delivering? You know, so you, so so you kind of get the idea. There, there's a lot of position battles, uh, and this is a you know it's a little early this year, Big Ten Media Days, but you kind of know who your summer stars were, who stood out, who impressed, and that'll be good to hear from the players too because they're actually in the workouts. Harbaugh's got you know going through hearsay and through the grapevine, but yeah, you know who's who's going into fall camp maybe is one of the trendy names. What has Donovan Jeter done? You know, def- since since the spring when he was one of those names, Mike Sainer still. And so, so yeah, I'm curious to hear about that and the position battles and 
I'll have lots of stories on what what the players think of this battle, that battle. Uh, we'll get we'll get their thoughts, and then I'm also you know number three for Michigan. What's up with Michigan's offense? What's the latest? Is it you know how is Josh Gaddis in the in the new offense he's putting together? Because one thing to keep in mind with Gaddis is it's not it's not plug and play, it's create and play. He's creating an offense now. Of course, he's always had plays that he's going to use, and and there's been breakdowns about some of the some of the concepts of Alabama and Penn State that, that could be implemented in Ann Arbor. But he is more or less devising the first ever Josh Gaddis offense. So what does that look like? What is he doing with the running backs? What does that mean? What is he doing with the tight ends? What is he doing with with the offensive line? I know he's not coaching the offensive line, but what's his impact? How does it change what the O-line does? And so... You know, we, we, we heard a lot about it in the spring, but I, I wonder if, you know, the three months since then, have is there any are there any new takeaways? Are there any new ideas being implemented? Uh, do the players have a different perspective of how things work? Because in April, it was still kind of the new thing. And they said, you know, I remember Sean McCune told me in April... Yeah, today in the spring game, this was our first time really just doing it clean and crisp all the way through. Because they had a pretty mistake-free spring game. you know. And, that, and I don't mean drops. I mean doing the right calls and right routes and you know right reads and everything. So, you know, what's it look like now? And so, so I'm curious to hear from Brent Bredesen. I wish there was an offensive skill position player. I understand why they chose... Glasgow and, and, and Hudson, but also curious to hear their thoughts. Speaking of them, I think the biggest questions for Michigan this year, other than who's taking carries at running back and what how good is the offense, most of them are on the defensive side of the ball. They lost six starters. They lost four first-team All-Big Ten players in Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich, Devin Bush, and, and David Long. So how, do, how does Kalik Hudson feel about the defense? I mean, he himself is an interesting redemption story. I mean, he's out for blood this season, but him and Glasgow have been a part of a lot of very good defenses. And they've both been around since they were there around for 2016, 17, and 18. That's three top 10 defenses. So what do they think of this group? Very early, and again, for, for listeners out there, I would encourage you to read our stuff, of course, but... Take it all, I mean, understand it's it's mid-July. This is not, they haven't put on the pads yet. And if, if you don't want to read stories until they put on the pads, I don't blame you. I might I might be in a similar boat. So, if I, if I weren't doing this for a living. So, yeah, you know, what, what do they think of the defense? And do they believe, do they believe that it can, it can change? Or, not change, it can continue its success with the changed starters and then the fifth fifth major thing i'm watching of course there's little stuff but the fifth major thing i'm watching is we're gonna get to talk to three seniors for an hour what do they think what is what is the mantra of the senior class not not necessarily a motto but like what is their identity because if you go back through michigan history and and some of you maybe have but if you ever talk to former michigan players the teams that are great, one of the first things teams players will say was how great that senior class was. 
there were outliers. There were overachievers. There were players who, who were leaders, who became leaders as seniors. And that's, that, that's what made the difference. You know, I think, I think a basketball example real quick, Derek Walton Jr., senior surge, Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman, Dun, you know, even Duncan Robinson, senior pushes. So it's, and football is even more so because it's such an experience-driven sport and you, you have a lot of seniors. It's not one or two players that make a difference. It's, you need, you need everyone. So I'm, I'm curious about the senior class. We're going to talk to three of them. This is Harbaugh's first him-only class. Something to remember. Even last year, they had a couple fifth-year players who, like Chase Winovich, who were not Harbaugh recruits. They were Brady Hoke recruits. This is the first one that's all him. And there's some good players, and they have more seniors than a lot of their competitors. Penn State and Ohio State have a few... Michigan State's got a good amount. They might have more, but off the top of my head, Michigan has multi-year senior starters. That's that's the phrase I use a lot when I'm anal- analyzing someone's experience. Did you start for multiple years? Are you a senior? Because Josh Metellus, Lavert Hill, Khalid Hudson, they all are. Ben Bredesen, Michael and Wenu, they are. You know, technically John Runyon Jr. You know, and Shea Patterson. So senior quarterback, a lot of seniors on the offensive line, enough seniors in the defense. I mean, you are going to need new players to step up, but this team can be driven by its seniors. It can. And so I'm curious to hear their thoughts on on that. Um, Some other small things, always fun to hear. You know, there's little quirky things. Uh, Always fun to hear players' stories. You know, Ben Bredesen's been put in front of the media a lot. He's, He's always been really gracious and talked for as long as anyone wants him to talk for. Uh, I mean, there's been times where they said, you know, a couple more minutes with Ben, but he says, no, that's fine. I can stay out here. It's probably why he's at Big Time Media Days. Jordan Glasgow, I feel like we've talked to him, and obviously we've covered a Glasgow for, well, since, what, 2013? <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, you know, it. we've heard the Glasgow story. Not that it's not unique and, and really impressive, but I'm really curious to hear from Khalid Hudson because we, we get him, but we get him in more of a serious game preview, game review type setting. We, we haven't gotten him in the, in the let's hear your story, let's hear who you are setting. So I'm curious to hear him. I'm always curious to hear about the freshmen or the summer standouts. I mentioned that earlier. but And then some of the silly things. Who's the fastest on the team? What's the, what's the, what did you do this summer? Because I, I know, I know football makes it tough to go on internships, but you know you might might get some interesting stories or hear some some fun things. So there's lots of little things too. Uh, hopefully, this was a good primer for what to expect. There should be lots and lots of stories. Uh, Josh Henschke will be here with me as well. So follow our stories over at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. And, and yeah, so this was the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. A little bit shorter, but at the same time, uh, no Steve. And, and we'll, we'll have lots of takeaways from Big Ten Media Days. And, and maybe on Sunday, maybe Sunday or Monday, we'll, we'll do our takeaways and kind of recap what we, what we learned. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next week.